He's going to use him as a decoy, or he's going to use him as the, the main koi. That's yeah. a new word. Yes, yeah, the main koi. That's new. Add it to the Halloween costume. Add it to it. I love that. The main koi. The main koi. I think you got to use that you gotta one. you got to use yeah, that, that one? That, like that? that yeah, totally that just came good. out of me that out of nowhere good. right there. Oh, yeah. If you're looking for the main koi podcast of all of football, this is it. There's decoys out there, but this is the main koi. And I'm, I'm, I'm riding that one kind of hard. Like, first of all, what the fuck is a decoy? What's that even off of? I don't even know. But now we know because I've invented main koi. Florio was impressed this morning. He was impressed. <laughs> you tried it out he on PFT He thinks it's now. one that's going to stick. He's like, that's that sticks. That's like leader house. It just makes sense. It's condensing a thought in there and putting it there. Everyone so, knows what it means. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's, 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 it's perfect that way. So it's dumb blonde from New Jersey strikes it rich again with new language word, new English language. That's good that Mike was impressed because yeah. I was impressed too. You were. I know. Well, that's when you were impressed. You were like, okay, I can use this I on Mike. I got something here. I mean, you like literally perked. <laughs> up and we're like i like that i was like that works yeah yeah so uh yeah very what's rare. up everybody very rare there's something i've you know you've never heard before yeah no i know although i, I know. guess with you that does happen no quite it, often. it does seem to happen quite often with me <laughs> it does yes very rare but uh yeah that was a little treasure we gave you the treasure hunters here they are here it is ahmed farid chris sims it's chris sims on button episode 421 Oof. yes we got a busy, busy podcast here, but Ahmed, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Did you celebrate 420? I did. I did. I took a few puffs of the good stuff on uh, Monday <laughs> before the game. I did. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to listen to some of the people on social media yeah. telling me I deserve it. And I guess you just, you know, I felt like it, I felt like I needed to be in honor of 420 and good for you getting uh, breaking out the, the Woodford Reserve. I did. I sent a picture of that. Right. And then because I did it one day, I did it two days. Oh, in a damn, row then. Now you're a full fledged, full fledged alcoholic. And oh, I my said, gosh. My voice is showing it now. I don't know what it was, but two days of drinking Woodford. I feel like my voice is more distinguished. You sound now. aged right? and distinguished. Like, what's wrong right. With right. What happened to me? <laughs> um, no, it was that was cool. It was cool to see all the homies reaction to 422. Yeah, because they were genuinely happy. Yes. for us. And they for were. you and making uh, this pod something that has stuck here. And I was like, how cool is that? We got people out there partying, celebrating on a random Monday night just because of a, a podcast episode number. Well, I mean, I feel like as we're doing this right now, and I'm, I'm, I didn't mean to do this, but I have to because of what you said. And it just came to my head. Yeah. You know, first off. We got a tweet that said, you know, hey, Sims and Fareed, definitely sit down with the wife tonight. Smoke one during the game for the milestone. Keep them coming. And then your, which your witty responses are awesome. <laughs> this you. is set it off. That's actually an awesome accomplishment. Making hundreds around America do drugs in honor of a specific number of podcasts. <laughs> we should be proud. I love that you sent that text. That was amazing. We should. It was cool. Uh, it was. It's it's very cool. And now we're on to 421. Let's I don't do know it. what our next big number is. I guess 500 will be the next one that we I celebrate so. i guess so uh decoy yeah pete notes here is from dutch decoy decoy which means the cage is from the practice of using tamed ducks to lead wild ones oh. along channels into captivity ah uh, damn that's so they're using the ducks as the uh the decoy to catch the, decoy. the to catch, to catch the, the ducks. ducks. Oh, okay. You use a tame duck oh, to like blend in. Right. It's like, hey, well, follow that duck. Right. He, he must know what he's doing, but right. that duck is a decoy. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Just to okay. catch the other ducks. Gotcha. You know? I got you. But I, I would I would So they're using you... the decoy to get the main coys yeah, exactly. in the cages. <laughs> exactly. Right. I got you. Exactly. That's how you do it. <laughs> 
All right, so uh, we have a lot to get to today. We do. Let's do which it. Which means because we just went longer there, yeah. this is going to be a seven-hour pod. Well, most likely. That's okay. We got to what the, what the F happened Wednesday, a.k.a. Treasure Hunters. Yeah. So we'll do that with some games here. Chiefs, Titans, Jets, Bills, Justin Fields. What's going on with him? He looks awesome now. Bengals run game. That was awesome as well. But we also have this today. And we're going to save a lot of time for this. We're actually going to do this towards the top of the pod the top five cornerbacks Ooh. in the NFL. We, we put Chris back in a lab. Yeah. We're like, you haven't ranked stuff in a long time. Right. We got to get you back yeah. ranking stuff. People are people liking mad. you a little too much on social media here lately. <laughs> we need them to hate you again. So we're going to do that. The top five cover cornerbacks, according right. to Chris Sims, in the NFL after our first game. Booyah. So let's get to our first game here, which involves one of those cover cornerbacks. Yes, it, it was does. Bills and Jets. Uh, Sauce Gardner has been very good in his rookie year. Uh, Bills offense uh, struggled a little bit in this one. Yeah. Josh Allen threw two interceptions. Right. So what we do in case you're unfamiliar on this Wednesday podcast, we dive a little deeper. We take a look at the film. Chris does that actually. And I read the curse of writing and Pete does that as well. And we try to figure out what exactly happened in this game and what maybe didn't we see with our eyes, just watching it on TV. So yeah. let's start with that bills offense right. here. Josh Allen throws two interceptions. You're like, what the F on both of those. You right. thought they were both kind of not great. So not at all taking a closer look at this Bills offense against yeah. the Jets. We want to give credit to the Jets defense for yeah, we sure. Do. Right. But was it one of those games where you're just like, what were the Bills doing out there? Well, it, a little bit. There was that. You know, one, I don't know if you can ever really just shut down the Bills and Josh Allen, a quarterback right now. It's a good system. You know, there's no glaring weakness to their team other than they don't have a traditional running game on the offensive side of the ball. And then he's like, we talk about, it, he's so special. It's almost like even when you stop him, you're like, well, you were lucky to stop him. Holy cow. I don't know how you did that. But the interceptions, let's just start there. They're stupid. They're just how I explained it on Monday. The first one. You know, again, huge interception because you got the Jets coming off the New England loss. And, oh, man, we're down 7 nothing after four plays. And, you know, it gave them a little energy and like, hey, let's go. But the first one, I think exactly how we talked about that. I, I, I think he had uh, My, Franklin Myers in his face. I don't think he saw the guy on Dawson Knotts. He throws it very casually. And as he's releasing it, you kind of tell he like starts to see the guy. And he's like, <gasps> and he kind of has this body language of like, oh, no. And they intercepted. So I, I honestly think that was one where he was just blinded by it. Uh, the second one, there's a little, there's a few things there. The, the whole shot to, to Sauce Gardner. First off, Gabe Davis runs an out route, and I don't think he's supposed to run an out route. It's cover two, which would tell me he's probably supposed to convert that out route to a go route. So Josh Allen expects him to kind of be in that area. Mm. He broke out. Sauce Gardner kind of floated back, and it hit Sauce Gardner. Either way, you didn't see the receiver and you didn't see Sauce Gardner, and you kind of just tried to put together a pre-snap look with the play and the coverage and just expected him to be there, which, again, that happens at quarterback. That's where you hear quarterbacks talk about, hey, I need guys that I know are going to be where they're supposed to be and all that, but you got to see throws and do that. And that was another huge interception. I mean, huge. You know, So you're, you're talking about maybe a 14-point a swing right there as far as points and giving the Jets, you know, not scoring a touchdown or any points on that first interception drive. And then the next drive, and then if I remember right, right, led to the touchdown. Um, so, so there's that. But the Jets defense, just to let's wrap it up here with this. Their defense is really good. They're talented, period. 
Like, we got to stop like, oh, my gosh, how did they do this this week? I'll, I'll tell you how they did it. It's the one of the fastest defenses in football. It's one of the best secondaries in football. They did a good job of mixing coverages, right? They did do that for sure. So I don't think Josh Allen and, and Ken Dorsey ever really got in a rhythm to go like, hey, when we get in third down, we're, only, we're getting either this coverage or that coverage. They didn't know really what to expect. They played a little more man. They played a little bit more man, I thought, than, than we've seen the Jets play. Definitely that. But, but even after all that, Ahmed, you know, they're getting, they're getting whooped in the run game. They're not pass protecting very well. Okay, but here, let's go through it. Okay, we drive right down and throw an interception. We drive right down and score a touchdown. We, on a third down, throw an unbelievable play to Gabe Davis over the middle, and he drops it on a third down, like third and 12, 11. Should have been a first down. So, again, like, yeah, you did a good job. Did you stop him? I don't know about that. Next drive, right down the field for a touchdown. Allen has a long touchdown drive. And then, you know, and then... The next drive was missed field goal at the end of the half. So there was the stopping of the Bills and Josh Allen. Now, the thing the Jets have done all year, in a big moments, they've made big plays. I think that's the thing you look at, and they've caused a few plays every game to kind of give their offense one more you know, possession than the other offense. But I think it's their speed, their chaos. And even in this game with the Bills, the run game, there was a few times where I went, oh, there's a hole there. And that thing closes so quickly with the speed of that defense. It's unbelievable. You know, with Quincy Williams at linebacker, with Mosley and the safeties they got, man, can they fly around. So I don't think there was anything there that I looked at to reinvent the wheel. Sure. Other than some sloppy play by the Bills. The O-line getting a little dominated. It's a good Jets defense who did a good job of mixing things up. And having said that, they did about as good as you could to stop Josh Allen. And having said that, you need some luck when you do it too because that's how good he is right now. So I think that kind of sums it all up. So there's one thing you've been saying about the Bills here recently, last couple of weeks. They need another weapon. They need another big-time playmaker. Mm, Maybe Odell Beckham out there. All right, question right here. Big Spank 803. Hey, Big Spank. Hey, Big Spank 803. Glad you're a fan of the pod. I am too. He goes, my guys. Oh, we're his guys. Love the podcast. Uh Uh-oh. But... Sims, you cannot be serious about Josh Allen needing more weapons. He goes, Stephon Diggs, top five wide receiver. Dawson Knox, top five tight end. Gabe Davis, top tier wide receiver too. Devin Singletary has quietly been effective. Isaiah McKenzie is fine. Maybe blame the, blame the scheme. You can't give Allen a pass when he doesn't get it done. Nobody's giving Allen a pass. Nobody's giving Allen a pass. I mean, he, he did stupid stuff in this game. It, 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 there's more on him than any other quarterback in football. And, and Big Spank, I'm sorry, but you're wrong about a lot there. I'm sorry, and I'm going to spank that ass right here and tell you why. All right? So, De- Stephon Diggs, sure, top five-ish, definitely. No, not going to argue that. Dawson Knox, top five tight end, stop doing crack, Spank, Bank, or Bank, Big Spank. Yep. Okay, come on. He's very good. He's not top five in football right now. Not, no, he's not. He, but he, but he, he's a guy that I would say has the potential to be that type of guy, and he's not far off of it, okay? All right, Gabe Davis is not a top-tier number two receiver. Sorry, Spank Bank. All right, big Spank, sorry. I'm going to keep calling. We're going to mess with him. Gabe Davis is a really good number three receiver. The official. I mean, are, are you kidding me? He goes games where we don't see him. He's not even He's not existent. I mean, that's ridiculous to say he's a top-tier number two receiver. No, he is not. 
All right. Then you get a devil, Devin single. So no, wait. So there was our, our, our pitch. And then Devin Singletary has quietly been effective. That's, that's the next pitch. Yeah. Whoa. That sounds dangerous. Quietly been effective. Even though they're trying to trade for every running back in football to get somebody else in there. Oh, they traded for Naeem Hines. How, how effective he's good. That's nothing more than that. He is. Okay, I am Isaiah McKenzie's fine. Look, he has a fine weapon too. <laughs> Big spank. What are you? Listen to your own question. He's fine. Exactly right. Their offensive line is NFL average. So I, you know, so there. Yeah. You're going to compare that to some of the other good weapons in football. I mean, you're crazy. I, I could go to some other teams and go. Their number three receiver is definitely better than your number two receiver. Their running back is definitely better. You know, so no, you're, you're, you're wrong about that. So there's no run game. Devin Singletary's fine. Why? Because everybody's scared of Josh Allen throwing 70 yard passes and he gets to catch a ball underneath with nobody around. That's fine. It is fine. Isaiah McKenzie. He's good. There's no doubt. I like him, but don't overvalue it just because of you see points and like what's being scored on a weekly basis and all that what system could, is good. They need another guy. So what, what player could take this offense from being really good because of Josh Allen yeah. and, and the other guys and Stefan Diggs right. to being the best in the NFL. Yeah. Well, he needs another, he needs, I would love to see OBJ there. It, it's, it's that type of guy. You yeah. pick that over a running they're, back. Well, they're not going to get, become a running team overnight. It's not going to yeah. happen. Well, we're past but, the trade deadline. Yeah. So, so it, it's just not going to happen. They're not going to, we're not going to go, Hey, they need to run the ball more. And then this week they're going to come out and run for 200 yards just because they're going to be like, Hey, we're going to change into a running team in the middle of November. And we're going to be good at it. Come on. That's not going to happen. So, uh, again, that, I'm, I'm, I know I'm being a little sarcastic to my man uh, at Big Spank 803, but um, it's not top-tier talent. It's a really good offense. It's good talent. It's a great quarterback. It's a good system. But it's more on the quarterback than other. And then if you compare that to the weapons of other top offenses, I mean, really? It's, it, is it comparable to the 49ers? No. Is it better than the Chiefs? No. Is it better than the Eagles? No. I mean, the Dolphins? No. I, I mean, wh- wh- where do we want to go? The Bengals? No. I can keep go- Seattle Seahawks? No. I mean, where do you, where where do you want me to go? Minnesota Vikings? No. Uh, do, do you want me to stop yet? I mean, I, I can probably keep rattling off other teams that have more weapons. The Washington Commanders? No. They got more weapons. So I hope everybody got the point there. Hmm. Yeah, you got me going. That's there. interesting. I, I, yeah. yeah, throwing the commanders in there too. But Whoa, I mean, that wide Jahan Dotson, core, yeah. Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, Antonio sure. Gibson, JD McKissick. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, Ken Tose threw yeah. this one at you. He goes, "I kind of think that Josh Allen. I like that rant, by the way. That was Thank a good you. way to start Thank this you. pod. I kind of think that Josh Allen's elbow injury may be a good thing in the long run if it makes the Bills play more balanced and take pressure off Josh. Well, I, we don't I, know how severe. I know he might know. not play. He might be limited this week. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I like even how he wrote at the end, similar to how Dallas had to play without a healthy Dak. What yep. do you think? You know, I I, I get that. I." I I would lo- they have to find some other element that takes a little pressure off of him. But again, I don't know if they're, I think we're too far down the road to think we can go run game. See Dallas, you know, they, they at least they are, they are a team that it's, it's, 
at least practicing run and doing that stuff throughout training camp and getting underneath center and doing Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard downhill. You go to a Bills practice, they're not underneath center handing the ball off going, let's run ISO left, let's run the power. No, they're in the shotgun every play. They're throwing team. They ride or die with him. They need to find something that goes along with that. There was not, not a lot of screens in this game. You know, stuff like that, whatever it may be, that they find is the right formula, again, just to take a little pressure off Josh Allen. Right. they got to figure that out. Before we leave this game, let's take a quick look at the Jets' offense, yeah. specifically yeah. that run game, because they did really well. 34 yes, rushes, 174 yards. That's over five yards per carry. Um, what do you think? What did the Jets do well on this side of the ball? Because they did a lot of things really well. Attacking the edge, according to your cursive writing. Yes, right. And later in the game, doing some of their inside zone yeah, stuff. Exactly. They were able to do it all kind They're, of. The run game, early on, I feel like they... They got on the edge because they were like, wait, let's not mess with the bills and the slants and stunts and let's just like block them all down and toss it outside and kind of get outside and kind of get in a rhythm that way. That was nice. Zach Wilson played really well. He made some big time throws and he was more like the quarterback we saw, you know, through the four game win streak, took care of the ball, got out of some trouble a few times, made four or five throws that make you say, wow, and were big time and helped change field position. They threw the ball outside the numbers a little bit more in this game. All right. That was one thing that jumped out to me. I think they knew, like, hey, we're playing McDermott, Leslie Frazier. We have high tendencies of throwing over the middle. And they're the kings of, like, breaking down your tendencies and being like, how many times have you heard me say over the last years, I don't know what Buffalo defense is playing, but they got everybody dropping in the area the team's trying to throw it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what they do. So they broke some tendencies that way. But the big thing of the game, no doubt, was the Jets running attack. I mean, the Bills defense, one of the better ones in football and the Jets with injuries on their offensive line and Cedric O'Blahey off the practice squad from the Texans. And what was the guard's name? Herbig or whatever. I mean, he's in there (laughs) and they're smashing the Bills. And then like the big thing was got out of the outside zone stuff. See, there's such an inside outside zone team. I think it was cool. They got into power football, man blocking football, which you know I like. Pulling some guards. Pulling some guards, pulling some tackles, you know. They, when they were backed up at the end of the football game, they were in the same running play three plays in a row. And we're like, fuck you. And three plays later, they were at the 50-yard line. Wow. So they were on their own four-yard line, and they basically got 45 yards running the same play three times in a row going, you're not going to stop it. So that, to me, was the difference in the game. A little surprising as far as the Bills doing that. And I don't think the Bills quite adjusted the right way uh, totally or didn't play run defense enough. It's like they kept going, well, they're going to they're gonna come out with the pass here. They're going to yeah. come out with the pass here and never really got into some bare fronts or some things to go, no, you got to throw. We're sick of seeing the run. But that was, to me, the, the difference in the football game. Last two weeks for the Bills, they've had trouble now yes, they with have. the run. Yes, they uh, have. Last week and now this week against the Jets. And so, I mean, maybe that's the way teams are attacking them because they're so effective at rushing the quarterback and, and off the edge. nickel all the time. That's yeah. the other thing. They don't play base defense, so they never bring in a third linebacker. I think you're right. I, I think that you're playing Josh Allen. Let's keep him off the field. We want to do that. And then the other thing is, I think how I started it off. I think, like, I think teams are figured out a little bit, like you know, some of the movement and they do, and we can figure out some runs that even with their movement up front and the slanting and the twists and all that, that can really screw that over. And you know, I, I I feel like that's that's 
an element at Buffalo I feel like might need to tweak just a little bit. Maybe not quite move guys so much up front. Maybe play it a little bit more straight arrow. Wait, this is my gap. I'm in this gap. Instead of, wait, I'm lined up in this gap and set hut, and I need to get to the next gap to my left. You know, if you're getting blocked down, like we talk about all the time, if you're going to the left and now, oh, no, someone's blocking me that way, you're going to go way to the left. I don't care who you are. And I think they they get caught in that sometimes, too. You think Zach Wilson can be an elite RPO quarterback, you noted oh, that in your notes, too. No doubt. No, I mean, again, it, it's it, his talent pops off the screen to me. It does, and his arm does, and his ability to get the ball out of his hand and quick play action, throw a slant and put it on the money, the quickness of the release, and then, of course, the power he can put on the football is is special. And to me, it's like, you know, he's got a little of that Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, where they can just, and you're like, what? Did, did he just throw that and get that out like that? Holy cow. And it is, it is elite, no, we, no doubt. We talked about it on Monday, how he was getting the ball out quicker this week than he right. had previously in week number eight. We talked about his numbers when he was getting pressured a whole bunch, too. They were not great. And so maybe they made a concerted effort to switch things up a little bit. The more timing throws. Uh, Saunders Clark says to you, hey, I noticed that Zach Wilson was in shotgun standing perfectly still. I thought it looked like the days when I watched him at BYU. No dropbacks, just stand tall, read it, and fire. Yeah, it, it was. It was, It was. you know, I think what he's saying is get the ball. There was no drop. Just get it, get in the throwing position and let it go. And, yeah, for the most part, whether it was skinny post or, you know, quick slant, quick out, you know, you don't need to take a drop. It's kind of just get in that position and, and let it rip. And, yeah. you know, I, I got to go back to look and see if it was much different than prior weeks. But uh, he definitely was on his game and really only missed one throw, I thought, all day where I went, you should hit, you should have hit that one. But for the most part, again, whether it's the first throw, the third quarter, you know, a few other throws that I just went, wow, like that, those are special. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I know the stats aren't special, but he played damn good. And this is the way they got to play to win. And I think it's just, again, it's just, a, they're close. It, it's close. You think the, that offense could be I, They're special. close. I, don't be shocked here in the next week or two if we had come out and go, the Jets threw for 350 today, and he only had like 22 completions, and they tore it up. I, I don't think they're far with the way Garrett Wilson looks. You know, the rest of the weapons, I, I, I do think they have a chance to kind of explode here a little in the past game. Jets get to celebrate. They're on a bye this week. Bills play the Vikings, the 7-1 and one Vikings. Who knows? Maybe Case Keenum will be there at quarterback for the Bills. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. It we'll is. see what he can do with all those weapons around him. Well, it, it just it fits. It fits to the Vikings. Like the Vikings seem to get a break <laughs> almost every week yeah. they play. It almost always seems to fall the right way somehow, some way. It's amazing. I've been a part of teams like that. And I had a year, the year after I lost my spleen with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jeff Garcia was the quarterback. And like every game we played to start the year, the other team was like missing their best player. And I kept going, this is unbelievable. I mean, I'm, I'm not playing, but I was jealous. I was yeah. just like, this is unreal. And it's, we're, we're, we're playing backup quarterbacks, backup running backs, the best player in their team can't play. Oh, I mean, there was all these great advantages and Minnesota's uh, striking it rich this year with that stuff. Bet MGM has the coach of the year odds yeah. out right now. We talked about this a little bit on Monday, Yeah. But Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings is currently the co-second choice, plus 700 with Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Nick Sirianni is the favorite right now, Mm -hmm. minus 130. Robert Sala in the Jets right now is one, two, three, four, fifth choice at plus 900. I like Robert Sala. I like that. If you think this offense can take a next step or a 
a giant leap in the second half or be even more dangerous? I don't know. He took receipts, and now maybe he'll be able to cash. Who are you going with? Hmm. Who would I pick right now? It's it's a really interesting year. I, I feel like there's more viable candidates this year than ever before. Uh, and Nick Sirianni, yeah. I understand. I mean, if they go sixteen and one, or you know, seventeen and zero, or fifty, I mean, maybe you have to give it to him. But I'm not as like blown away. Uh, again, I thought the Eagles might be, you know, ten and zero, nine and one. I mean, we we, we discussed this before mm-hmm. the season. So I knew the team was going to be good, even though I, I don't want to take credit away from them. Right. But like people like O'Connell, Pete Carroll, Brian Dable, Sala, I mean, they've come out of nowhere, those teams. Nobody expected those teams to be jack diddly shit. So, you know, I, I'm going with Pete Carroll. I, would, yeah, I was just going to say that. That's the guy I'm going with right now, and that's no disrespect. The other guys are all deserving. Mike McDaniel with that quirkiness and cerebralness mm-hmm. work as a head coach. Yeah, it's working. Yeah, definitely. So it's an amazing list this year, but I'm going to go with Pete Carroll. Because who's most likely to keep it going? You know, I think... They have a chance to keep it going. I think they sure. do. In they that do. division with the Rams down, the Cardinals yeah. struggling, the right. 49ers still trying to find their way. I defense mean, that, is good. It's, yeah. it's good. And the offense, like you've, you know, we've both talked about, is uh, it's real too. Pete put this in here. Yeah. Let's say that the Eagles get the best record in the NFL. Right. The Vikings win the North. Right. The Seahawks win the West. Mm. Dolphins win the AFC East. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. The Jets make the playoffs. And the Giants make the playoffs. I know. Say all those things happen. That's amazing. That's then right. who I'm should win Coach go of the Pete Year? Carroll. I think I'm, so too. I'm still going to. If the Dolphins do win the AFC East, though, I do think then that could change it a little bit. It could change it. Yeah, I, Mike I McDaniel could win it. I hear you. That you're right. That that is a a valid point. You're right. I mean, even if the Jets or Miami somehow ended up winning the AFC East, you'd probably go, "Ooh, yeah." That puts you guys in the in a in a good spot there. But all, it's an amazing year for that. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, blow up the team, start over. You don't got any blue chippers on defense. You're going to have to depend on some young guys there. Why are you not trading DK Metcalf right, and right. Tyler Trade Lockett? Them. It's over. Get over here. Get out of here. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, and then and, and and then now they're like the most fun team to watch in football, and they're flying around, and they got confidence, and he deserves that. Uh, he really does. The action never stops at BetMGM. Sign up now using the bonus code SIMS. Get your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. So, Ahmed, okay. say you bet $100 on Robert Sala to okay. win coach of the year all right if you win you will get nine hundred dollars okay but if you lose you'll still get a hundred dollars worth of free bets i like that i like the way that sounds simply download the bet mgm app today or go to betmgm.com enter bonus code sims to make your first wager risk-free up to one thousand dollars so we got done with the jets there yeah the jets have a great young team. Some yes, great young players. Zach yeah. Wilson on offense. Brees Hall, unfortunately, done for the year, but he'll be back next year running all over defenses. But on the defensive side, they have Sauce Gardner, yeah. who I think some people think is the best corner already yeah. in the NFL. Cover corner. Yeah. Thomas Petinelli says, Chris and Ahmed, always love your analysis, is Sauce the best corner in football by the way, congrats on 420. Hey, so thanks a good. lot, buddy. Thanks, man. So we've had a few like this in the last few yeah, weeks, right? Yeah, we, we definitely have. And you've kind of gone around in your head trying to play some. So you were, were like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's just do it. Drop everything. Still analyze all these other games, but add something else to your yeah, plate. Thank you. Thank you, Ahmed. And we'll do the top five cornerbacks in the NFL right now. So these are cover corners in the NFL, according to Chris Sims. So we did it. We were like, let's just do it. Let's do a top five. Why are you looking at me like that? We did it. It 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 wasn't easy. It was not easy. 
It's you know there's there's a lot of good corners in football. I say we did it, you and, did it, yeah. and then and then you know putting it together with hey teams play a different way and they use their guys a different way and you know what's your cup of tea? Do you like the guy that's a little smaller and quicker or do you like the guy that's a little more length but he loses that quickness because of the length? I mean, holy crap! All right, so that's where it's it's. Like, no fucking joke. There's 15 corners that are worthy of the top five conversation. Oh, here we go again. There's, there's 25 to 30 corners worthy of the top 10 conversation. Mm-hmm. But I'm taking a stance, yes. and don't you worry. Here we have a top five. We do. All right, so let's do it. Let's, yeah. The top five cover corners in the NFL right now, according to Chris Sims, that is the preamble to your list. And let's start right with number five. We'll get to the honorable mentions. We'll get to those others that maybe yeah. other people there's would have in the top five. There's a lot of honorable mentions that deserve okay. to be, the name needs to th- be thrown in there. We'll get to those. Yeah. Let's start with your number five cover corner in the NFL right now. I'm going to go Sauce Gardner right there. Not number one. Not number one. No, he's not. He's not number one. He's really good. Do I think one of the reasons I'm going to say he's not number one, and again, you know me, right? What do I value a little bit more than the rest at the, corner? The ability to put on an island exactly. this player. Play man to man, right? I mean, again, you, you can teach to a degree how to play zone coverages and how to do it the right way. You know, not that guys are going to, some are going to be better than others. Don't get me wrong, but those are teachable things. Staying on a guy's right hip that runs four, three, and he's running all over the field. Uh, that's special. Sauce Gardner is a little bit of a benefactor of the scheme system fit. He's not asked to play man to man as some of the other top corners in football, but damn, when he does, he's still really damn good at it. You know, I think the thing that maybe, you know, man to man, he doesn't have, the best top end speed as maybe compared to some of these other guys. He can be a little grabby, but still awesome. Unbelievable length challenges people at the line of scrimmage when he does bump you, right? His biggest thing is, you know, even in zone, whatever, he's got a great feel for the game. You know, what routes are coming towards him? Oh, wait, I'm in zone. All right, I'm covering this guy. But wait, I don't have to worry about him anymore. He left my area where to look now. He's really good at that. And then, Playing the ball in the air, I mean, he's just highly competitive. He's, he, you know, because of his instincts and because he can stick his foot in the ground and he's got good speed. I mean, it's, it's you know, again, we're talking about top five corners here. We're talking about they all can fucking fly, all right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're differentiating between three rockets up your ass and two and a half rockets up your ass here, all right? These are guys that can fly. And then, but he, he, he's so competitive at the ball. That's the other thing that I love about him. You know, he's great with, you know, contact as the ball's in the air. Receivers are pushing on him. He doesn't move. He can hold his ground. And he can still locate the ball, get his hands on it, and break it up. You know, he's really good in that department. Let alone he can catch the ball, too, if it comes his way and intercept the ball that way. So this is, like, better tackler than I expected. He can play off coverage. You know, he'll guess every now and then. You know, but, but again, it's, it's, it's really damn good. It really is. I was thoroughly impressed. You know, I think the biggest you know thing for me there is just yes, he's in zone maybe more than some of these guys, and I don't think he's as sticky in man-to-man coverage as some of these guys. But man, he's a perfect system fit, and he is an island type corner. They could ask yeah. him to play man more than 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 he does, and he'd still be really damn good. Uh, so Sauce Gardner number five. So he's the only rookie on your list, I believe. Here, he is top the five only list. rookie. So would you say that he has? the most room to grow Mm. maybe of anyone in your top five. Yeah. You know, yeah, he he definitely does. He's definitely a little more raw than maybe some of these other guys. He's got great feet 
he doesn't necessarily have great hips, if that makes sense. So, you know, chopping his feet and breaking on a ball, he's really good. You know, but now, wait, a receiver's running at me, and, oh, he made me stop for a second, and, oh, wait, now he's going on a double move by me. I got to turn and run. He's, his hips aren't as greasy as maybe some of the other guys we're going to talk about here in a minute. Can they get but greasier? They can get greasier. Those are things that I think, again, the mechanics, people teaching you where to, you know, what to think of, you know, when you are going to turn and run or doing something, where to place your feet. And then, of course, just repping that definitely can can help him get greasier that way. All right, this is why I like your list, because yeah. I think you went into it with the idea you're going to have a lot of young guys on this list, right? Maybe exclusively the young guys in the NFL. So you got a rookie number five, but number four, you got a guy in his 10th year playing in the NFL right now. And Darius Slay. I just I, I couldn't get over it. Darius Slay is playing as good a corner, uh, corner as I've seen him play in the last three, four wow. years. Yeah, and we're going back to Detroit Darius Slay a little bit here. You know, one, I'll say this, one doesn't play as much man as I thought either, all right? I, I thought they he was put in a few more man-to-man situations than I, than I realized. You know, they're a really good defense. But, you know, some of the principles I talked about with, with um, Sauce Gardner, mm-hmm. I mean, again, understands zone, knows what to do. But his, I mean, his straight speed is still real. You know, his hips... An ability to break on the ball and close on receivers, to me, was a hair better than Sauce Gardner, right? Maybe he doesn't have the quite the length, but I think in a m- true man-to-man situation, this one was like really close to me, and I just went with Darius because I go, I think I, th- I trust him a little bit more man-to-man, and because of this. Here's another thing that I should have said. Sauce, of course, is great against big receivers. Darius can maybe not cover... Big receivers quite as good as Sauce can, but he's better at the smaller to intermediate receiver. And Sauce, that's not his cup of tea, the smaller jitterbug type of guy, sure. you know, changing directions with that all the way. So Darius Slay, I did not expect him to have him in my top five. I thought he was going to be six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. But the year he's having, what he's doing in coverage, the way he's playing the ball, and he's tackling well, it's like he got a little second breath of fresh air in his career here. Um, not to say it's been bad the last few years, but right. he's just, he's extraordinary so far this year. I wonder how that happens because you were saying corners, not too I dissimilar know. from running back, I, right? Where it, it's just like, you're the best, you're the best. falls off a little Boom, bit. Boom, it's gone. I know. I, I'm hmm. very surprised too. I don't know if it's maybe training methods that can be happened too. Yeah. You know, Hey, let me get back into squatting and going to the track and getting out of the hole and really sprinting. You know, some of the, sometimes, sometimes those, those guys are so gifted. They get to a part of their career where like, I run so much all year. I don't really even do that stuff in the off season. I just, when we start OTAs, I start sprinting again because I'm sure. covering guys and I go that way. I don't know, but he definitely has an extra gear in his game this year as compared to last. The fact that he's playing like that, yeah. how key is it to their defense? They got the big dudes, of course. Yes. We already know that. Well, I think it's just, going to be huge for you know big moments against really good oh we're playing the 49ers their run game we got to put an extra guy in here we, we got to have a guy that can it's third and four you got to be able to man up against Devo Samuel and that's where they got two corners that are capable of doing that when they need to they don't want to live in man in Philadelphia but when they do yeah. when they do they, they can feel comfortable sometimes you see some of these corners that are aggressive give up the big play yeah and maybe no such corner has done that more then your number three corner in the NFL. Maybe it's less this year. Yeah. Another quite a few last yeah. year. Number three for you is? Trayvon Diggs. Dallas Cowboys. Yes, sir. 
I mean, maybe could have made him number two. But, but yeah, I mean, this guy's special. I mean, he's a special player here. You know, again, the guy that has similar length and size to a Sauce Gardner, but his speed is greater. That's the, You can trust him on the, on the island a little bit more. Now, maybe he doesn't have he's, – he's dangerous. This might be the most dangerous of all the corners. Just a guy that he'll take a chance. He's got the type of makeup speed and closing speed to like, whoa, he's open. I threw it. Oh, shit. He closed the gap. It's not open. And holy, he might intercept it. Like, I mean, there's a lot of that. Oh, they completed it. Okay, great. You got the completion, but holy shit, you held your breath and you started to run like you were going to have to tackle him on the pick six. So, I mean, again, you have to live with some of that. Like he's going to give a play here and there, but he is a guy that, you know, like we were talking with the last two, he can play anybody. It doesn't matter if it's Jamar Chase or it doesn't matter if it's a bigger I don't know Justin Jefferson type or somebody with a little more size. I know they didn't play them this year, but I'm just trying to use an example there where it, he can do either. And then, you know, zone coverage, he's really good. He's not as disciplined maybe as Darius Slay or mm. Sauce Gardner. You know, but but like again, I'm a little bit like I I don't care, okay? I don't I'll, I'll take the undisciplined to, for the fact that he might take a 60-yard pass, you know, pick 6. Now, he puts tremendous pressure on you mm-hmm. and um, tremendous man-to-man skills. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything here. So and, I'm so, and, so, and special in bump coverage, phenomenal. Off coverage, phenomenal. And that's that to me is rare in man-to-man situations. So yeah. according to Pro Football Focus, he has given up the fifth most yards of any corner this yeah. season. So say you're the quarterback, you're starting against Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. You better be careful about what routes you pick to throw on him. Oh, and you better be careful, period. Zone doesn't matter. You know, again, he's put in some spots that I would tell you that, like, Sauce Gardner's not put in those spots. Mm. And and Darius Slay aren't quite in those spots as often as Trayvon Diggs. I will say, as I told you before the podcast, Trayvon Diggs doesn't play as much man-to-man as I thought. Dallas does... You know, when you look at it, and I looked at it like that, oh, hey, wait, wait, they don't they don't put him on the island as much as I thought. But they still put him in some incredibly, incredibly tough positions. Like, think about the biggest play he let up all year. Cooper Cup touchdown, right? It's man-to-man, Cooper Cup's in the slot, and they're just like, you got him. We're not fucking helping. If he runs across the field, you got him. Where a lot of these teams are like, even when they play man-to-man like that, they're like, well, there's somebody there in case they cross the field. So you don't have to overplay that, right? I can, you can lag, lag, lag behind them just a little because you know you got help behind them to help you if he breaks the other way, right? right. They're, the Dallas, they're just like, nah, you got him. You're a freak. Fuck you. We're the Cowboys. We got studs everywhere. And, okay, so Cooper Cup catches the ball. But that's one of those plays where Stafford threw the ball and was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be a pick six. And, oh, it just got through because he barely missed the ball on the swat down. And now he made that play and they run for a touchdown. But it's also the reason their defense is amazing because of his ability to turn the ball over. Because they're, oh, uh, Dan Quinn, I can do this crazy blitz shit because I can trust him against man-to-man against anybody. And he'll hold it down long enough to where my blitz will get there. So, yeah, Diggs is, Diggs is really, really good. Uh, again, you can't go by grades and what they let up all the time. Not everybody's getting to play and do the same thing. And he's yeah. definitely a corner that's put in some, some more tough situations than maybe others. Cowboy- <laughs> Excuse me. Cowboys are clearly okay with that. 
They so they're, are. they're okay with giving up the big play every once in a while. It allows them to do different things with Micah Parsons no and doubt. their defensive line. And it allows them to make plays and just be aggressive, and it's just yeah. pedal to the metal. He fits everything they want to do there. So right. uh, he's got the be- – and here's the last thing. He's got the best ball skills in the NFL. He's got the best ball skills, and there's nobody that's better. There's nobody on a go route in a 50-50 situation that you trust the corner more to make the interception or knock the ball down more than Trayvon Diggs. So, yeah, guesses a little bit. I get that. But he he's also great at reading his guy, too, and having a feel for what's coming. And, ooh, this formation, oh, he's going to run the out route, and he runs, and he's all over it. And it's like if the quarterback threw it over there, it's trouble. Right, but they don't. So you know that, that, that's again. He's um, he's awesome. He really is. He's number three for you. Yeah, he's not in the top two though. This was you know, like I said, four and five. I really was like, damn, four and five. I went back for, and yeah. two and three were the same type of thing for me. All right, so yeah. you you settled on. This player for number two, and that player is Xavier Howard. Did you expect that going in? I felt like I thought he was going to be in my top five. I did. I, I, I didn't, I didn't know if I thought it was going to be two. No, I honestly think I went going into this thinking it was going to be Diggs at two and Gardner at three. Mm. That's what I think I thought going into it, along with their number one that we'll mention again. That you know, I think yeah. most people know who it is at this point. But, Seventh year in the NFL for Xavier yeah. Howard, all with Miami. Yeah. And you think he's the number two cover corner in the go NFL ahead, right now? Give me all the bad stats that go with it. There is a bad things. stat. Yeah, yeah Pete's put is. that in here. Per right. BFF, he's given up the second most yards of any corner this season, and six touchdowns, second most behind AJ Terrell. Yeah, you know, again, and AJ Terrell is a guy that's not going to make this list, but I'm going to put him on the honorable mention after this because of the same reasons here. And AJ Terrell might have been on this list if he wasn't hurt for the last four or five weeks. You know, so that, that that's another thing that hurt him. Nobody, absolutely nobody, 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 nobody is put in the spot Xavier Howard is. Xavier Howard is really, really probably the only true island corner in all of football. Mm. Like a guy where you just go... The majority of the game, he is in man-to-man against the best receivers in the toughest spots in all of football. And the plays he gives up, right? Last week, he gave up a touchdown against the Bears. Some of the big plays he gave up against Justin Jefferson. I don't care. And Deion Sanders is top 10 greatest player of all time. I don't care if we bring back Deion, Batman, Superman, fucking Captain America. No one is going to be able to cover some of these receivers in the position he's put in, right? He's put in spots where, okay, Ahmed, there's three receivers to the left. He's covering the inside of the three, right? It's Justin Jefferson, by the way, kind of a good receiver, all right? He's, he's covering them. They're all bump man-to-man. And the two guys outside pick for Justin Jefferson on Xavier Howard, and now Justin Jefferson catches the ball, and we go, huh. Negative grade for Xavier Howard. Mm. I want to go, no, negative grade on defensive coordinator. That's not, like, nobody's going to be able to cover that. He can't run through seven people and then cover a guy that runs 4-3-9. Like, it's just not going to happen. Oh, he's the outside receiver of this guy over here. 
uh, of three receivers, and then there's it's empty, and there's two, and they all they do is run crosses and pick, and he's got to run through his guys and the receivers and everything. Negative grade. The guy caught the shallow cross for a gain of seven, mm. which you, a lot of times I'm like, it's fucking amazing. He made it a gain of seven. Weaving through the traffic and tackling the guy just as he catch the ball. I mean, he's put in spots of like it's insanity. It's insanity, and that's what happened. Even he gave up a touchdown last week against you know, the Bears. It's they're so predictable. Teams game plan for it, and then they go wait. He's covering the best receiver, and they design those plays for the best receiver. Right, and then he gets screwed. His man to man skills are off the charts good, and if he got to play zone coverages more like a like a Darius Slay or Sauce Gardner, his PFF grade would be at the top of football. It would be. I have no doubt. He's amazing in zone coverage. He's amazing. He's as good as anybody on this list, if not the best. He's amazing at, wait, I got this guy. Oh, wait, he left my area. Wait, I got to pass him off, and here comes another guy, and he's all over it. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. great at stuff like that. You know, but, hey, it's T. Higgins. There's no – Dude, I, I can't even – he's covering guys with no safety in the field. No middle safety. Hey, you got T. Higgins, and we're not even going to have a fucking safety back deep. Oh, thanks, coach. No problem. I mean, Stefan Diggs, <laughs> same thing. You know, so that he's put in some spots that are that are unbelievable. Our bosses say easy. Our bosses heard this rant now, and he's thinking it's going off the rails, yeah. but I like this. Yeah, though. yeah. Uh, so, so do you think that the – do you think that the uh, piece says it's on the rail, so we're okay here? Uh, do you think that the Dolphins, the Dolphins are then messing up? We talked about Trayvon Diggs, right, and how yeah. the Cowboys. Maybe it's part of a bigger plan, right? right. Like we're okay, right. giving up some big plays. Yeah. We know we're putting you on an island. Right. Do you think the Dolphins, though, it's more of like they're not playing this right with Xavier Howard, or is it part of a bigger plan for them too? It's where we know you're going to get beat for some big plays, but we're doing this for a reason because it'll help us do this. They want to, I think they want to play that way to a degree. They're okay with this. They're okay. They want to get Tua and then offense and the explosiveness back on the field. And we're going to go down and score. I think they're okay with it. I think, do I think they do it too much? Yes. I think that's why they got Bradley Chubb because they were a little bit like, we can't keep doing this and we can't keep like blitzing six and seven and leaving this guy one on one with no safeties a lot of the times, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, like he gave up a he gave up the slant pass to Rashad Bateman. Remember that in the Ravens game, and Rashad Bateman ran for like a seventy yard touchdown. Yep, yep. Right. There's ten guys at the line of scrimmage. So if he doesn't just absolutely cover the guy like glue and tackle him right away, it's it's trouble. And again, I know people are going to go, well, that's a negative grade, and I want to go. I know, but he's like one of. Four or five people in football that you even think about putting in these positions. Yeah. And he's really the best at it. He's really phenomenal. He's better at the guy number one, I think, truly at man to man coverage. Mm. Right? It's not that much better. All right. But it's it's damn good. And of course his ball skills are are off the charts good too. Has he been a little hobbled this year too? Well he Read had a, a hamstring. Peri- that's the other part. He had a period during the year where, yes, there was like two weeks where he was kind of questionable and not quite himself, but still plays and they still are like, Hey, cover that guy again. With no help. I mean it it's it's really remarkable. It's really remarkable. This is why I like your list. He's Thank given you. up some touchdowns. He has zero interceptions this year. But he is number two on the. He's caused some interceptions. He's mm-hmm. tipped some balls in the air. He's made some really big plays. I mean, he's he's phenomenal. A lot of praise for Xavier Howard of the Miami Dolphins, but 
he is not the number one cover corner in the NFL right now. No, that's where you got to go with Patrick Sertain. I don't think that'll be a surprise. Patrick Sertain, the second to anybody who's been listening to this podcast. Uh, I mean, he's amazing. You know, they really could probably play him in man-to-man situations more than they do. It sounds like it's, I mean, even though you said that Xavier Howard does some things better than Patrick Sertan, it sounds like this was not even that hard for you. No, it wasn't. It, you know, it, it, and, you know, when I said that last part about Xavier Howard, I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I should re- rephrase that and just go, <laughs> he barely beats him maybe in some yeah. man-to-man situations. Sure. I don't know. You know, it, it's close. Sertain's a bigger human being. He can't maybe put the brakes on and stop and restart quite the same way Xavier Howard is. But his, you know, ability to jam at the line of scrimmage, his ball skills, amazing. You know, again, equally as effective off versus bump. Uh, Xavier Howard be a guy when he plays man to man, he's definitely better at bump than he is playing off. And then Sertan is just. He's got incredible knowledge of the defense and, you know, where his weaknesses are and understanding how to play zone coverage. And then again, too, the other part of him, like I talked about with like Trayvon Diggs, is it doesn't matter what you are. Small receiver, he's got the quicks and the speed to mess with them. Bigger receiver, DK Metcalf, he can hang in there and bump them and stay right with them. And, you know, the thing he's better at than I think maybe I even gave him credit for coming out and everything is his top end speeds, it's better than I thought coming out of Alabama. Mm. It is. It's 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 just um he's got that ability, a little like Diggs does and Xavier Howard, to run with the receiver and I don't have to run full speed in case you put the brakes on and run some out route or comeback route. I can kind of go ninety percent. And, oh, wait, he's stopping. Oh, I'll put my foot in the ground. So now because I'm going 9%, I can really put my foot in the ground and drive instead of if I was going 100% because I'm maxed out trying to run, mm-hmm. then I got to take some extra steps to stop. Sauce Gardner, that's something I should have said. That's what he has to do. It's such a somebody's running a go route. I got to turn and dig so hard that when they stop, it's a lot of extra steps there. Sertan is like, boom, bam, there. And it's just it's just – incredibly clean across the board. It really is. And he's got it all too. His ball skills, maybe not as good as Diggs or Howard, but they're right there. They're right off the, the cusp there. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's right there. And, and of course, incredible, maybe not as good as the interceptions playing the ball, but maybe better than those guys at timing the hand to swat the ball down. He's really good at that. Like, I feel like most DBs miss, you know, so many times like, oh, wait, he was right there. He just missed knocking the ball down. Sure. He doesn't miss a whole lot. Uh, it's it, it just highlights how unfortunate this year has been for the Broncos so far. Yeah. Right? Because right. their defense is elite. I mean, their defense and their pass defense might be the best in the NFL. They have the number one cover corner, according to you. It's like if that offense was just like average, halfway decent with Russell Wilson. They expected it to be better than that. But if they were just average, this team would be right there. This team would be very difficult to no, beat. No doubt. And listen, I, I I don't you know I never am really like this. You can blame one person, and that's Russell Wilson. It's it's crap. He's playing like crap. There's no other way. This is where I'm trying to defend Nathaniel Hackett right now because people are already trying to get him fired here. And I want to go away. There's some positive things here. You know, again, nobody would have saw this coming. And if anybody watched their last game over in London, Orlovsky and Lewis Reddick did a great job of showing a number of plays where they were going, I don't know what he's looking at. There is people open. And I can promise you it's been like that every game all year. So 
that's the big issue. But yeah, it does. It, it stinks. And you know, that defense should be together for a while. So hopefully they can keep that going and Russell can get up to speed. And, you know, maybe it's next year that it all comes maybe, together. Maybe it's a lack of confidence in practice for Russ because it's like he goes against these guys. He's like, man, I suck. What's going on here? It's like, no, they're, they're very, very good. So there's your top five. Woo. You mentioned there might be 50 players oh. that are worthy. No, not that many, but a oh. lot that you could have considered in the top five. And other people, if they have them in the top five, you're not going to be mad at them. No. It killed me not having Marlon Humphrey and Jalen Ramsey on here. It did. They're they're phenomenal. So, it, so Ramsey right. is one in particular. Yeah. Where you, I, I know in person, I don't know if you said this on the pod, but yeah. you're like, I don't know if he's as good as people still give him credit for. <sighs> he's not as good as a true cover corner uh-huh. as he used to be. If we did, like, I don't even know how to describe this, all around secondary players, he might be at the top of the list. He does a lot for them. He's phenomenal at tackling. He's phenomenal blitzer. He's, you know, very good at playing nickel and zone and reading the eyes of the quarterback. So he has tremendous value. I value this a little bit more, though, on, hey, wait, you're outside and you're covering this guy. Mm-hmm. And to me, he's not as good as some of those guys. It's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, you know, but it's not quite up to the, those guys' standards, in my opinion. But damn, is he a hell of a player. And same with Marlon Humphrey. You know, Marlon Humphrey the same way. And I'm not so sure if we did this like eight weeks from now, it might not change and Marlon Humphrey might not be in the top five. Early in the year, you know, they played a ton of zone because they don't think they trusted their secondary, stuff like that. They're starting to get back to a little bit of like, hey, Marlon, get in his face and do that. And he's really good at it, let alone a little bit like Jalen Ramsey. He's a phenomenal football player. It's like you can put him at nickel. You can get him involved in the run game. He's going to make the tackles, all of that. So those two right off the bat were definitely hard, along with my man, A.J. Terrell. A.J. Terrell one of the things that hurt him in this exercise for me, it was just that he hasn't, like I said, hasn't played a lot the last few weeks. Okay, same thing with Marshawn Lattimore. That hurt him too. I don't think he's going to make top five, but he's still really damn good. AJ Terrell, I put in almost the category of like, it's, it's close to Xavier Howard. He's put in some spots where I got, I don't, you know, again, he's, it's, it's man to man against, you know, some of the best receivers with no help and just like, hey, go, mm-hmm. you know, and he's all over these guys. Even when they catch the ball, you're like, oh, my gosh, it's incredible coverage. So him, Jai Alexander, Eric Stokes, both Green Bay guys. Damn, did they deserve to, you know, they deserved a, a shout out for sure. Tariq Woolen is another one all that right. needs to be in that conversation. Mehmet 305 says Tariq yeah. Woolen definitely should be on the top cornerback list, at least as an honorable mention, since he's balling out and getting turnovers left and right. He, he is. He's, 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 he's got a, he's got a, he's unique. You know, he's still not maybe in the area of changing direction and stuff like the way those guys are, yep. but man, straight speed, trying to run a go route by that guy or anything that way along with his speed is special. He could be a top five corner next year. He could be. He he came out of Texas San Antonio. Texas UT San Antonio. Exactly Fifth right. round pick, man. The Seattle draft is really yeah, good. Yeah, it killed it. It really killed it. Really good draft. And I see our at seventh Evan has Carlton Davis. You what know. are you doing looking at the rundown here? That's my job. <laughs> at seventh Evan says, I don't know who number one is, but Carlton Davis is frequently left off the top ten list, and it is a disgrace. So fifth year guy with the Buccaneers. I've been a huge Carlton Davis fan forever. Okay. You know, I, I have he is he is a top ten ish guy for sure. There's no doubt. He's been a little banged up himself this year, too. Um, and, and then you got another team that he's 
They put him under pressure. They do. Yeah. I value Carlton Davis. He's really damn good football player. So we're going to take this list, this top five. Pete, frame it in a way where Chris is just complimenting these five only and crushing everyone else. <laughs> yeah, clear top five. Yeah, no Gosh. one else even close. You know, it's just, it's so many good ones. The guys on the Patriots looking at them. Holy cow. I mean, they're all good. Uh, you know, DJ Reed, opposite of, of uh, uh, Sauce Gardner. Yeah. Holy crap, is he good? So who is the best duo? So you mentioned Jair and Stokes. That might be the next one. We talk. <laughs> yeah. Put you back in the lab. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, those Jets guys and those Green Bay guys, they've got to be close. They're, they're up there for sure. Um, you know, damn, like, uh, Asante Samuel, he's a good football player. Holy cow, watching yeah. him, that was impressive. But, yeah, yeah, I, you know, that that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. But it might be Slay and Bradbury. <coughs> it could be. Slay and Bradbury is pretty damn good. Um you know, Dallas, I, I, that, that group there is pretty damn good, too. I'm trying to see here if there's anybody else that really jumps out to me. Yeah, Slay and Bradbury, the Green Bay guys. Mm-hmm. You know, are any of these guys in the top five? Do they have another guy that goes along with them? Let's put them back in the we lab, Pete. Slay. We'll put them back in the lab. We'll make him really do this, and we'll waste his whole Tuesday away. Family, be damned. The They're gone. Ravens are getting back up there with the duo, too. Marcus Peters is getting so better and better. What I like about your list, yeah. the top two guys have zero interceptions this year. Yeah. And they are your top two guys. And that's why we often say on this podcast, Stats Lie. Stats Lie. So we have a new segment awesome. called Two Stats and a Lie. Two Stats and a Lie. So I'm going to give you I'm going to give you three stats total. Two of them are the truth, Chris. Ooh. And one is a lie. And so you have to pick out which one is a lie here. You Damn. like this? And so it's, uh, it has to do with uh, secondary play. So the three statements are the Saints have a bottom five interception rate in the NFL. You didn't mention Marshawn Lattimore. No, I know. I know. Well, I did. I said I said his name. Oh, you did? I said he's All been right. hurt a little bit. Listening. He's still really damn good. There's there's no doubt. So not good. So a bottom five, that means like not good. So not good. Yeah, like okay. a not good bottom five interception rate in the NFL. The other statement, the Jaguars are a top five defense in passes defended in the NFL. So they're top five. So good. And the other one is the Chiefs are holding opposing quarterbacks to a bottom 10 quarterback ranking. So that's good. So their quarterback ranking, uh, rating of the opposing quarterbacks is in the bottom 10 of the NFL. One of those statements is not true. I'm going to go with the Chiefs are holding an opposing QB to a bottom 10 QB rating. You are correct. That okay. was false because, in fact, opposing got, quarterbacks have gonna... a 101 quarterback rating that is the second highest <laughs> okay. in the NFL. I was going to say, like, Jimmy G had a pretty good day. Yeah. We know Josh Allen had a good day. Yeah. Derek Carr had a good day in that, that game, even though it was more Josh Jacobs. Brady ended up having a good day, even though it was kind of towards the end of the game and it was over, right? God damn. Yeah. Herbert had a phenomenal day when he played him. Yeah. yeah. So that, it makes sense. Is it more about who they've played or is it, are there some concerns here with that chief secondary? Well, no, you know, again, uh, you know, Collinsworth has done a good job of explaining this. When you got a Patrick Mahomes and stuff as your quarterback and your team, every team comes into the game going, we got to throw the kitchen sink at this mm-hmm. group. And I do think a little bit where, like we talked about with the Miami dolphins, I think they're a little bit like, we're not going to play slow, bend, don't break defense and let the team go on an eight-minute drive and then Mahomes and company don't get on the field ever. So they take some chances that way too. They're aggressive. Uh, so I'm, I'm not shocked by that. I'm not. You surprised that it was true that the Saints have a bottom five interception rate this season? They were sixth last year. They were fourth in 2020. This year they're only intercepting .71% of passes. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, 
I wouldn't have expected it to be that little, but I knew it wasn't good because the thing I've classified in my brain for them this year is let up too many big plays and they don't make as many plays. Mm -hmm. They can't rush the quarterback quite the same way and they're not causing those turnovers. And I know a few weeks we've gone here and I've gone, man, they were really good, but then it would be a 70-yard touchdown and then they'd be really good and you'd be like, and then it was a 60-yard touchdown and then it was like really good and then you were like, man, it was three plays, 75 yards. So that's where they're, uh, I guess I'm I'm not shocked as I just kind of thought it out. There. Only the Giants have a lower interception rate this year than the New Orleans Saints. And then the, the Jaguars. The Jaguars have the most pants, uh, passes defended this year in the NFL. Well, there's another guy I should have thrown out there. Tyson that? Campbell should have been in an honorable mention, too. Tyson yeah. Campbell's another guy like Xavier Howard and A.J. Terrell that is put in positions that are as tough as anybody in football. He really is. They go, well, you got him, and that's it. So, and yeah, I could see that. And they, they asked some of their freaky guy, Devin Lloyd. I mean, gosh, he's had a number of passes defended as a linebacker because he's in those situations. Yeah. So, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't shocking. They're not great in pass defense, the Jaguars. They are just 22nd. I know. In yards allowed per game, but they little, knocked down a lot of I passes. I think a little too aggressive. I yeah. think that's too, a little too aggressive. Maybe a little too much pressure for my opinion, with that front four. I, I don't think they need to blitz five as much as they do. But you're right. The Chiefs' defense has given up a lot of big plays to quarterbacks out there. Let's dive a little deeper into that Chiefs game yeah. against the Tennessee Titans, and it's really more specifically on the Titans. And so let's start with their pass defense, because I think that's really interesting. We talked about it on Monday, some of the things they were trying to do against Patrick Mahomes. It looked like even though he threw for over 400 yards, it was not an easy 400 Tough, yards. Toughest 400-yard performance you'll ever see or ever have. And again, I don't even know if most people could have thrown for 400 yards in that game other than him and yeah. Mahomes, I mean, and, and Allen and special people. So you noted in your curse of writing, after looking at the tape, the Titans were getting scary good as a pass defense yeah. the last few weeks. Yeah. What are the things that stood out to you that you're like, man, this is different, and this is this is potentially really elite here with the Tennessee Titans? I think injuries early on in the year and the fact that they do so much on the back end probably leads them to messing things up and letting some plays happen. And Oh, man, I forgot this rule. We got nine rules for this coverage and all that kind of – man, we were in this coverage, and when you motion over here, they change to this coverage. I think they messed some of that stuff up early in the year. But like it's it's not only healthy, got the right guys out there, and then just have an incredible variety of coverages, mm. incredible ability of combination coverages where you're like, wait, it's man over here, and they're playing Tampa two over here. Wait, they're playing. Well, I I don't know what the fuck this is over here. Three deep zone. And they're playing two man over here, and it's that's where it's it's so they're really good at it. They understand where they're vulnerable. They make a little tweak on a week to week basis because of who they're playing or whatever, and that's where. And then when you have a front four of killers, which they do right now, because that's really good too. You know, it, it, it creative in the back end, and then a quarterback that's going. I don't have a lot of time. Uh, that makes you damn nervous and see ghosts and it doesn't make you feel settled in the game. And that's where, I mean, Mahomes was never settled in this game. Never. I mean, he really wasn't. It was, it was every play was like we thought kind of watching it, it was <gasps> nobody's open. I don't know what coverage this is. I Whoa, wait, coach told me the rules for this and this defense breaks the rules there. What's so what's my rule? I don't know. And see, that's where they're good too. So you might have a play Ahmed where you go, wait, coach said, you know, if it's man-to-man, -man, I want to play the left side. And if it's cover two, I want to play the right side of this the concept. Okay, so, you know, I'm looking. 
right? And I'm looking and, oh, wait, you know, it's, it's, well, I just want to make sure I explain this the right way because I'm stumbling over my words here. Okay, coach said to play the right side versus man-to-man and the left side versus zone. Right. Okay. Okay, so I look to the right and I go, oh, wait, it's, it's, it's zone. All right, so let me go back to the other side. Oh, wait, it's a man over there. Oh, wait, coach didn't t- teach me that. All right, so I'm trying to give a simple version yeah. of that. But it breaks your rules. So now you drop back and like, wait, coach said against single safety, I play this side. And against two deep safeties, I play this side. But what happens when one side's playing two deep safety look and the other side's playing the single safety look? Is that the reason why we saw him making so many backyard Football plays where he's just scrambling outside. He just needed more time to comprehend what was I, happening. Comprehend in the or just like, I don't know what this is. I'm yeah. not exactly what I'm looking at. You know, it's a safety that looks like he's playing cover two and over the top of somebody, but it's actually like man to man, but he just scared me with his presence and he's playing single safety, like defense. So it's a lot of like what I would call bastard looks. So, yeah, they're bastard looks because you're like, I don't know what to call this. And it's this is a bastard because it's breaking our rules here. And that's where they're very good mixing coverages, passing people off in zones. They're good in man and they're very good at disguises to go along with it. It was an absolute barrage of coverages. It was very impressive. So you mentioned it. I want to underline it again. You think Jeffrey Simmons might be the best defensive tackle in football, but. You also want to give some love to the nose tackle, Naquan Jones. Their D-line, it's just got great depth. They got guys that are extremely physical. And, yeah, Simmons is Simmons is phenomenal. Simmons is in the conversation for one of the best defensive players in football. Mm-hmm. He is a top-tier run stopper, and he's a top-tier pass rusher as a D-tackle. And then Naquan Jones, you know, like, again, people want to know, like, well, well, well what, how do they so good against stopping the run? Well, because they got a guy in the middle that's 340 pounds and nobody can fucking move him. And then you got Simmons, who's 295 or 305, and you can't move him either, except he's got a little more explosive ability and to do that. And then, like, a D end is Danico Autry, and you're like, well, he's, like, the size of most D tackles. Yeah. So that's where they're really good at stuff like that. But Naquan Jones is – one of the premier run stoppers in football already in his second year. If they had Tyreek Hill, you mentioned it on Monday. Yeah. You're like, this might be the one game where they are missing, for the first time all season, missing that speed guy. Is are, are they missing that speed guy? And is this something that could, you know, it's just one game in the playoffs. Yeah, you play the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs. You're like, I, we need that speed guy for this one game. Yeah. We don't have it. Well, I, I do think this is... You know, maybe some of these plays where they were a little bit like, hey, we're going to take away the intermediate and and flirt with, gosh, if they throw one deep, okay, then, man, we're in trouble. But we're going to – like, I don't know if they would have had the guts to maybe call some of those. Some of the ones during the game where I was, like, going, like, look, they're trying to stop, like, the 8- and 10-yard completion. They're not worried about the deep one. I don't know if they would have called some of those if he's out there. I still think this, in the end, will help Kansas City more than not, you know, to have a few more things for the Titans if they have to play him again. And two, I think they have to have more all-purpose plays. I don't know if you saw that in my notes. But what I mean is not going, wait, if it's cover two, I play this side. If it's a single safety, I play this side. Because they give you looks to where you go, I, I don't know what that is. You know, 
they're they're playing it the opposite way or it's single safety man over here, but it's two man over there. And it's just very hard to figure it out that way. When we were watching the game together Sunday night yeah. and we had that sky cam look. You were having trouble sometimes. I, I'm going. Like, I'm not sure that. exactly like, I'm not, what. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, going. I'm not sure what this is. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know. So there. That's when I. That's when you hear me. The game plan specific, and you know they're looking up certain things. Or we have the play you're talking about. It's man to man across the board. Mm-hmm. It's one robber, right? So the two deep safeties are deep, but then they rotate. And one comes down and looks in the middle of the field for like a 10, 15-yard crosser, and then the other one's deep in the middle of the field, right, for any deep post. But what the, what do they do? This is the play that I was in when we, on Sunday night going, wait, rewind. Now let me see that again. I got to figure this out. They had a crosser going. The guy following him was like, wait, I got somebody there for the crosser. It's man-to-man coverage. They let the guy, the robber safety, who's in position because the crosser's running to him, you take him over and keep going. You're in front of him, so just stay in front of him, and I'll now take your spot and be the robber in the middle of the field. I mean, that's pretty smart. That's what I mean, right. So it's like it's man coverage with almost a zone pass-off concept involved in it. It seems so complicated that you could totally screw well, that up. I think that's why they probably screw up things early in the year. I think that's yeah. probably why we saw Josh Allen a few times in that game have people wide open because they found out a few ways to screw their rules over. Or they hadn't hammered them down and got them you know, mastered the right way. That's that's cool. Here come the Tennessee Titans, at least on the defensive side. And we know that they can run the ball with Derrick Henry on the offensive side. He got basically nothing going with the pass game. You yeah. took a closer look at that side of the ball, too, what the Chiefs are able to do in containing some of that pass offense. But you were also critical looking at your notes. Chiefs did a pretty good job. Yeah. Second half especially. Right. They did a good job of slowing them down. Yeah. But maybe they, they didn't start the game as as smart or with a – good enough game plan as you would have hoped they were. Yeah. It's like they, they played base defenses early on and just like four man fronts with three linebackers. And they were like, Oh, I was a little bit like, wow. I mean, we're not going to sell out just a little bit more to stop the run here. We're just going to give them base looks that I know they're coached up really well on and they know how to block them. And it's not going to create any, you know, mismatch or confusion or any of that. Uh, I, so uh, they they that was surprising to me early on. So Just, first first yeah, half, yeah, it was Derek Kettering with nine rushes, right, ninety two yards, averaging ten yards per pop, couple touchdowns. Second half, eight rushes, twenty three yards, less than three yards per carry. Yeah, and and the big thing was the changing of the alignments on the front, right? Five man fronts for the most part in the second half. And not necessarily always bare front, right? For all those out there, the bare front means the center and two guards are covered by defensive linemen. And then you got, you know, a defense and the linebacker standing out on the outside edge of the tackles, right? That's kind of a bare front. They were still playing four down fronts, but maybe walk up the weak side linebacker on the end of the line of scrimmage. Maybe walk up the strong side linebacker on the end of scrimmage. Four down front, maybe put a linebacker, you know, in between the guard and tackle gap where there's no lineman in that forward down front and put him there, right? So there was more of that. And that's, I think, the biggest difference is, yeah, crowding the line of scrimmage a little bit there, being a little more aggressive with coverages. They did a great job. I didn't think Tennessee did a great job of getting Malik Willis into a rhythm. And the one thing is, hey, you're running the ball, you're running the ball, you're running the ball, and you're thinking, well, they're going to play man and single safety. Spags did a great job of kind of like, 
I think this is the play they're going to try to take the shot, right? I think this is the play. They run it two, three times. Now they're going to run the go route because they think we're going to play man, and he would play cover two. So that's where Spags is really good. He has great feel for when are they going to go for the fuck you play on me here? Yeah. And that's where he did do a good job of that. Um, but I think that was the biggest difference they, is just the, that that play overall. They probably wanted to take away the go ball from Malik. He throws a good deep ball. He does, and that's exactly what it was. He does. And, that's exa- and then there was a little bit of that of the play calling where I was like, really? Are we just going to give him three straight go routes? Like, and that's it. <laughs> like, if they play this coverage, he's screwed. And yeah. that's what they played. And uh, so, yeah, there wasn't. Enough easy, cheap completions, in my opinion, for Malik Willis. Yeah, you all, you've said that before with like Matthew Stafford when he was playing for the Detroit Lions. They're like he, they're throwing the ball fifty times a day. That's actually not too hard when you're a quarterback because it gives you a lot of opportunities. You get into a rhythm. I mean, when you throw the ball sixteen times yes. for Malik Willis, right? That does make things a little more difficult sometimes, especially if you're not scheming up wide open guys. Exactly right. It's hard. And, and and it's, yeah, and it's not necessarily plays that, you know, give you easy completions. Like you say, it's just like, Hey, you haven't thrown the ball in 10 minutes. Now drop the ball in the bucket, 40 yards away. (laughs) Oh, okay. Coach. No problem. Yeah. That's where I, yeah. I defend people like Troy Aikman that way. It wasn't easy. You got to be a special talent to play quarterback like Troy Aikman did in Dallas Cowboys. Run the ball to Emmett. Run the ball. Hey, it's third and nine, Troy. Can you hammer a 15-yarder in there for a first down? Instead of like, oh, I get to throw a screen here and a slant here and a flat route here and a screen here and never make a big throw. But we go, look at that guy. He's throwing the ball all over the lot. (laughs) And it's just like, no, that's easier to play in a lot of ways sometimes than, you know, the Joe Flacco Ravens or Troy Aikman way where it's, yeah, the quarterback getting in rhythm is the afterthought. Nope. No catches by a wide receiver for the Titans has been widely reported. Jay Brown get down says for the Titans, what can be done schematically for the wide receivers? Local fans here blame the offensive coordinator, but I'm wondering if the offense is fine. If the receivers just can't execute. Yeah. It's not a great receiving group. There's nobody there that you look at. And I don't think Robert Woods is totally a hundred percent or himself yet. So, you know, there's nobody that creates a mismatch or you can really just go, wait, we we can win with this guy one-on-one. They've never been like overly creative or complicated with their formula is. We know that it's just run the ball and we got a few good play action passes off of it. And you're going to be in trouble trying to defend that formula. But right now, even when you, when they run the ball, teams are like, well, okay, but you know, our guys, we feel good about matching up with this guy and playing him. It's not like it's AJ Brown anymore. So teams are playing man to man where in the past they might go, damn, we got to stop the run, but we got to do it through a zone way. Cause I can't leave my guy one-on-one with AJ Brown. And Oh, now the linebackers are sucked up and AJ Brown's behind them because we're playing zone. And it just, yeah, they, they need that guy for sure. Before we move on, I want to underline one player that you had in your notes. Yeah. And you said about this player, they are probably the best athlete at guard in the NFL. And it was not a player that I was that familiar with. Yeah. The left guard for the Titans, Aaron Brewer. Yeah. He's, you liked him a lot. Well, he's he's a really good player. He has some moments of being overpowered every now and then in every game because he's like, I got to think he's the smallest guard in football so weight-wise. I looked it up. 6'1", 275. That's insane. Out of Texas State. Yeah. Started five games last year. This year, he started all eight games. Holy shit. I didn't think he was 275. I thought you were going to tell me he was like 290 or 285. Oh, so he's a lot yeah. smaller than you yeah. thought. Yeah. But, yeah, he's tremendous play strength. 
and tremendous ability of cutting off linebackers in the second level and stuff like that, where he's just, he's phenomenal that way. Mm. And, you know, yeah, the strength is not of a guy that's 275 pounds. That's for sure. So yeah, he's, he's special. You know, they're, they're all line. There's no Taylor and Juan, but there's still a lot of good, good things there to, to look at on that football team. Titans versus the Broncos coming up next. That's going to be tough for Malik Willis to have more than five completions than he had in the Chiefs game. Yeah, so yeah. Well, maybe they'll have – I would think this is week three for Tannehill. I think you've probably seen uh, him back this Ryan week. Tannehill I, I would be back. surprised. But, like, too, where, you know, where were – why weren't there more quarterback design runs? You know, that that's the other thing I was a little disappointed with overall. I just this, – this, this was a game that was begging for it. And uh, there was a few, they're just plain old read options, but I was shocked there wasn't a little bit more there. Maybe they could take a page out of the Chicago Bears playbook. We'll talk about Justin Fields here in just a second, but first, it's time to hand out some awards, the Big Butt Awards. And you mentioned a couple of Big Butts. Jeffrey Simmons won it last week. I submitted it to you from Kentucky. Good job. You read it on the pod with your dad. Thank you for that. Keep it going. Uh, They were definitely in consideration again at defensive tackle. Uh, But for the... Defensive tackle, big butt of the week award. We're going to the Eagles. We're going to Javon Hargrave. Seven tackles, three sacks in the game. He has had a tremendous year. I've got some more numbers on him here. Too. Uh, yeah, three sacks was a career high for him. He's the first Eagles interior lineman with multiple sacks in consecutive games now. Uh, since 2004, Corey Simon did it then, apparently. Wow. Uh, and he says now he's he's finally healthy. He said he had a bit of a toe injury. By week, he got back healthy, and so he could be a force, a bigger force for the Eagles moving forward. Here. I don't doubt it. You know, it's this is he's a really damn good football player. Yeah, I didn't go back and watch, and I, I, I was, like I said, shocked that they ran the ball on them that way. That way. Mm. But again, that, you know, that's even true. with like, it doesn't mean it was Javon Hargrave. That's where, you know. You're trying to, you're trying to can, well, no, no, poo-poo stat, my big butt of the week can, award winner. Stats can lie. I yeah. guarantee they didn't run at him. Yeah, they I didn't get, run you at know. Him. No, they didn't. I'm just, I, that's what I'm, I'm making. Like, sometimes people put those on the D tackles. Well, their D tackles can't be. Well, they could have ran over here between the, you know, about the defense ends and on yeah. the edge, which is where a lot of the runs did occur in this sure. game. Okay. Uh, and. The value of these big guys pushing the pocket and rushing the passer is has been overlooked. Pete was just saying this the other day, and he is exactly right. There's great value in these guys. They are, forget, you know, and sack is great, but their ability to push people in the quarterback's face is their their best sure. value. Pete tells me that Corey Simon, by the way, yeah, just yesterday elected to the Florida State Senate. Wow, wow, congratulations, His second to Corey career Simon. here. Yeah. Congratulations, Corey Simon. Way to go uh, for Javon Hargrave. I was reading a story in the Athletic too. That says that motivation during the week, every week, and maybe every day, he watches Kobe, a documentary. He goes, during the week when I'm down, I just look at Kobe, keeps me working, keeps my mind right. Wow. How about that? Hey, whatever it takes. That's interesting. No doubt. Uh, Javon Hargrave, despite what Chris says, you are the big butt of the week award winner. I don't blame you in the run game against the Texans this past Thursday. The edge big butt of the week goes to uh, our guy, Matthew Judon. How could it not? With a hat tip to... Josh Uche, his teammate there Ooh, with the Patriots. Right. I know. Uh, but Judon played a few more snaps, and I'm always biased towards the guys who are on the field a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, that's right. Even though Uche's you know, production per snaps was probably better than uh, Judon. But three sacks for him. And uh, he he has 11 and a half sacks He's this leading year. football. He leads football. I mean, he is definitely perhaps in that. I mean, stats do lie, like you just said, but he's probably no, no. in that defensive player of the year conversation. He definitely is. Definitely. He's, he's damn good. I mean, he does everything good, too. He's great against the run, and he's a huge human being. And, yeah, 
He's a big-time pass rusher. So, I mean, that was a great sign by them last year. It really was. And then with Uche back, to your point, because I think we talked about this a little on Monday. I did. Uche is a, spe- he's a natural, special pass rusher. He's not the size and the human Matthew Jujan is. So, he's not always going to be in there on first and second down if a team's maybe in some bigger sets there. But, man, Matthew Judon, yeah, phenomenal player in, in every aspect of the game. Enjoy your elephant trophies. Booyah. You two put them on your Send mantle. Them in the mail. Cherish them for the rest of your life. Yes. The Chicago Bears are cherishing Justin Fields right now, and they're <laughs> utilizing him differently than they have uh, in the previous games this year, although it kind of started a couple weeks ago. Monday night, correct? Monday against the night Patriots. for sure. The change of changes. All right. So now uh, this was the highest scoring game of the week. It was Justin Fields. And the Bears scoring 32 points against Miami. They needed 35 or 36 to win this game. But you took a closer look at the Bears' offense in this one because you wanted to see exactly why, as Chris flips through his notes, trying to get back to the Bears here at some point. Well, Let's let's show the graphic then while while you're flipping through pages. I'll give you a second to look at it. Thanks, Slayer. Justin Fields, his first six games. Oh, we don't have the graphic, (laughs) but I'll just read it to you. First six games, uh, he had a 264 rushing yards. His last three, he has 189. He had what 178 in just the game last week. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, but we're yeah we're getting those stats ready for you though. But bottom line, Justin Fields, they have designed some runs for him. Did you see more of the same against the Miami Dolphins? Yes. I mean, and here they are. Look at that. There they are. First six games. Oh, designed last. runs. Yes, designed runs went from 19 yards the first eight games to 127 the last three games. So yes. that's it. What I gave was the scramble yards, which uh, are still are still pretty good. Still really good. Yes. They definitely are. And the scramble yards are way up. Yes. Because defenses are having to play other defenses now because you're worried about, oh, they might do a quarterback design run or this or that. And it can allow the defense to now, but maybe playing man-to-man, right? And as you know, wait, at man-to-man, everybody's running down the field because we want an extra guy in the you know quarterback design run. And now if he makes one guy miss on a drop-back pass, it's like, uh-oh, see you later. Everybody's running down the field covering their guy. So that's where it's just opened up. I can't say enough about what they've done here the last three games. It's special, you know? It's special. It's took the pressure off of him. It's made their team better. You could tell they have confidence. He's got confidence. And they're, they're how do I want to say it? Putting things together, tying them together. You know, I, I think you saw my notes where I just wrote like, okay, we start the game out. It's a, it's a sprint out. Second play, it's, you know, fake the read option, little play action pass. They're tying, they tie it all together right? Next play, fake that same little read option run and they throw a screen pass, right? You know, so there's rhymes and reasons to what they're doing, let alone like we always talk about, they have found something to go, whoa, this is elite. We're good at it. And when you do elite great stuff, defenses then have to go, whoa, we got to change because they're going to kill us all game long if we don't play this defense or that defense or this defense. And that's where it's really, it's changed. I don't know what took so long, but good job finally getting to it. And it's made them a better team. He is a very, very, very good running quarterback in the NFL. Where does he rank among all the running quarterbacks that we have in the NFL right now? Oh, he's the best running quarterback in football now as a runner, as a runner. If you asked me, if you gave me, 
Listen, I, we're talking about Lamar Jackson I here. Know. You just put him ahead of Lamar. I'm going to put him in front of Lamar right now. Yeah. Yeah, I am. What? What stands out? What What separates him from Lamar? I think he's a little faster than Lamar is right now. I do. And he's a bigger human being, right? Their team is not built like Baltimore necessarily to totally run this offense, nor do they have quite the variety of these, you know, Lamar Jackson-type runs. Man, and, and God, I, I mean, I'm saying this, and I'm going, man, am I, am I really going to say this? You wrote it in your I notes. Know, I know I and did. And now that you have to say it out loud. Well, when you say it out loud, you just realize, okay, I'm, I'm going to hear it from some people, but it is what I believe it is. I don't think Lamar could have scored on Justin Fields' 70-yard touchdown or 61 61-yard run, yeah. yes. I don't think he could have. Why? I, I don't know if he has quite that same speed and explosion. Because the Dolphins have some speed on they, defense. There's no doubt. They've got a bunch of guys that run 4-3 and everything, and he ran right through them. So, yeah, there's just a few runs this year, even like the run against the Minnesota Vikings that was called back that I was like, man, was that Michael Vick or was that Michael Vick? I mean, I just go, you know, he's got just one little extra gear that Lamar doesn't have. And, again, I'm saying that with all due respect to – what I think is one of the greatest quarterbacks in football yeah. right now, and certainly the greatest running quarterback in the history of football. Oh but oh Fields boy. right now being young and in year two and all that, yeah, just has one more little gear. So you're getting nervous now that Lamar is going to tweet I this really out am. and then that Jalen Ramsey's going to tweet out because he's not part of the top five. It could be a bad <laughs> week for you on social media. You guys are gonna, this gonna could be, be seriously, seriously. Be swatting back the haters left and right from uh, multiple teams I, out there. They're, they're doing this stuff. And like the Dolphins had no choice but to play bare front, like the whole game. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything else. And just what, what do you mean by that? Well, again, it's like know. I was explaining there, like a little bit with the Kansas City mm-hmm. or whatever. It's you know they got five five defenders on the five offensive linemen. So it's a five man front. There's a guy over the center. There's two a guy over each guard, and then you got a defense end and a linebacker standing right. on the outside edge of the tackle. Right. Because so you want to fill all the gaps. They want to fill all the gaps and they maybe need an even an extra guy if it's like a fake run to the left and the left guard pulls to the right with Jalen Ramsey. Now we need the safety to come down and be an extra guy because there's one extra gap over here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are the issues they put you in. And what that leads to is optimal passing looks, which are going to give him the confidence to continue to grow as a passer. All right. So Jordan Ingram asks you, or he says first, biggest fan since the uh Bleacher Report days, is Justin Fields making actual progress as a passer? Do you see him having that Josh Allen career path, make big plays but a little inconsistent the first couple of years, and then go out and get him a wide receiver like the Bills did for Josh? Yeah, I I mean, I could see it being that way. I can. I don't know if I see it quite that way as far as, like, he's not the naturally gifted thrower that Josh Allen is. I mean, Josh Allen is one of the most naturally gifted throwers I've ever seen in my life, all right? He's definitely a better runner, but... I could see it more going, get him another weapon, you know, improve the offensive line. Let's get another running back to the mix and more of a mix of the Lamar Jackson, Jackson-ish type of offense and that type of development than maybe the Josh Allen. But I understand the point, and I think it's a good question by Jordan, Jordan Ingram. And, yeah, he's, you know – Good. They have a variety of design QB runs. Yep. They have good traditional run. They tie it together. They got the bootlegs. That's all you need with this guy. Then you add in the drop back pass game where he still needs work, but his scrambling off that is amazing. And 
they spy him in some of these situations and it doesn't even matter. See, that's where it's like, it's, it, it doesn't, they have spies there and guys that you go, well, that linebacker can run. Well, he turned the corner on him. Oh, he turned the corner on him again. Oh, he was going to run left and spun around and the spy was there to the left, but now he stopped and ran right and he's gone. See a spy. Can so, you can you maybe not spy a guy as fast as Justin Fields because of that? I mean, that basically takes him out of the the play. That defender, you got to be, you got to really, you got to really do it the right way. Like is it bit. almost more beneficial just to send him, create chaos, be one of those guys, or do I don't drop him in coverage because if he's out there and not able to do his job, then what's the point? I would be more of like what the Bills did to Mahomes at the end of the game, where we're rushing for. Or three, whatever, it doesn't matter. One of those defensive ends is going to crash inside. So you almost make him go to one way. And then you have a linebacker kind of coming up as he's doing that. So that smother it doesn't let him get momentum. Sure. It smothers him a little bit before he can get going. And okay, then if he makes some miraculous play off of that, then so be it. But that to me would be more the way I'd want to do it. That's when I've seen like New England have a little success against Lamar at times. Again, you're never going to stop this guy all the way, but that's kind of how I would play it. So Justin Fields was running all over the Miami Dolphins. One more game quickly to get to, and it was the Cincinnati big play Bengals running all over the Carolina Panthers. Joe Mixon goes off five touchdowns in this game. Nico Waco, 19 says to you, hey, love the pod, all the way from Belgium. What up? Hey, we got a Belgium listener. I love it. Uh, did the Bengals change something in their offensive scheme, or was Mixon just unstoppable somehow? I still feel like the coaching does not match the quality of the players. So what changed for the big play Bengals in this one? Was it just a function of playing a defense that was not playing very well, Well, or yeah. did they do something different? There is some of that. There yeah. definitely is some of that. And, you know, the, the, the Panthers started the game out, like, you know, doing some things where I'd go, these, these are, like, if you told me the coverage is not to run against the Bengals, these would be the ones I would pick. <laughs> but you're starting the game out that way. Okay. I don't know why. That's a problem. So that was a problem. But then they backed off a little bit. And I think the biggest thing that I saw, a little bit like the Jets game here, where a change in running approach. Now, Panthers have been bad on defense. We know that. I mean, it's it's been bad as of late. Um, They don't have enough big people. That's their biggest problem. It's too much length and speed on their team and not enough. Derek Brown's their only real good big guy. So that's, that's their issue. But. There was more man-to-man blocking in this football game than I've seen from the the Bengals all year long. They're usually a zone, inside zone, outside zone running team. That's what McVay does. That's what they are. They're not athletic enough or good enough. And, you know, guys like Karras and the guy they got from Tampa, um, is that Kappa, right? Kappa? Alex Kappa, Lyle Collins, they're not athletic zone-blocking guys. So I'm hoping this is a new thing. They're more road graders. Mm. They're more like, block this guy down, I'm going to move him, block him down, block him down. Somebody come around and knock somebody out of the way, and then let's run that way. And I'm hoping that this is what they go with, because that was that was the difference. It was guard and tackle pulling, just gashing the Panthers. You know, I wrote, you saw me, I wrote inside, outside zone team usually, you know, and then added some speed sweeps and some screens, a part of the game plan too. 
So those were little other elements that I thought, okay, these are nice little just change-ups, keeps the defense honest, gives you a new look. And again, it's not going to take much to open up this offense. Their talent is real. They just need just a little bit of a schematical advantage every now and then, and they'll be you know, almost unstoppable that way. That's interesting. So if they start running the ball more effectively, obviously, it opens up the pass. We We all know that. But this is a real way that they can do it. If they can get away from more of the zone blocking and more of the man-to-man, I, I you think, think so. It's definitely what I'm going to be looking for this week to see if well, they, they're on the bye. They're on the week, bye so so don't, look, week. don't look for it. Right. So, but that's definitely going to be something that I'm going to look at to go, well, maybe this will be the, the sign of the future. Again, their offense wasn't much different last year. The thing is, is they could run the ball a little last year. So teams had to worry about that. And then, again, that's all they need. Just a little bit of the semblance of the play action. Oh, a little bit of you have to play single safety because you're worried about the run game. And now I got Higgins and Jamar Chase when he's healthy and all that and favorable matchups. It doesn't take much with them because they're so good at the skill positions. But I I thought that was, uh, yeah, definitely the big variance in the game plan as I've seen compared to other ones. All right. I like that. That wraps up our deep dives. As, as Chris looks over just to make sure, I've looked at your notes. You, you basically hit every big <laughs> okay, point good, right good, there. Good. Uh, final thing, we like to give uh, an award to some of the special guys out there. The special teams, Pete does that with Peter, Pete's, Peter, Peter, Peter. Peter, 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 Peter Pun Awards. 115 punts this week. Pete watched every one of them, which he really does. He watches every single one man. of them. He is the man. Punter of the week. Yeah. After all that research goes to the Bucks punter, Jake Camarda. Yep. Is that how you say it? Camarda? Yeah. All right. yeah. I shouldn't have said it with a question mark. He deserves more than that. Jake Camarda, <laughs> that, you whoa, are the punter so of the assertive. week. Fourth round rookie out of Georgia. Uh, six punts, four inside the 20. That did not even include one that was called the touchback, despite looking like it didn't hit the goal line. So Pete puts that into consideration in his awards here. Yeah, that's the one everyone's getting on Todd Bowles for not challenging. Oh, uh, yes. Right? Yeah. Right. Which, like... Yeah, ref right. told, ref well, tipped the refs him off, looked at it, and I think you know the refs were trying to help him out. Might have been it, tough to. And he's getting criticized, it. I think, in Tampa for some reason about it. But it's like the refs are telling you they couldn't see anything enough to overturn it, so yep. don't challenge it. Fifty-four was the net average by far the best of the week. The four point six nine seconds of hang time, the second best of the week. He was also named the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Pete does not need that validation. He had this award already, probably even before that. <laughs> right. um, and this award is more important anyway, Pete notes, than the NFC Special Teams Player. Very prestigious. Really, really prestigious. It's 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 so under the radar prestigious. You just people don't really realize. Pete, your flyer of the week. I don't want to do it with a question mark this time. How would you say his first name? Okay, there we go. All right. Flyer of the week is Derek Young. Seventh round rookie out of Lenore Rhine. Right. Uh, open field tackle on Seattle's first punt and then batted a punt at the one-yard line while laying on his back. Huh. He I'm did it all. i think of that one. I can't remember that play specifically, but that's, that's impressive. I mean, that really is. Uh, wow. What's the, So if yours is the big butt, what's the Peter Peter trophy look like? Oh, yeah. What, do, we, do we have a visual trophy? Oh, well, he does. Because oh, you know where Peter my trip. mind went oh, with Peter Peter yeah, words, right? Think, yeah, I right? think you'd have to go that way. Right? You know, it is your it is your podcast right. with your name on it. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> editing that's going to need to go on possibly in this podcast. <laughs> we leave the final word to Adam Blackhall, who says, because we made a bet. We finally made the bet. Similar in the vein of the kissing of the feet bet last week. If the Rams make the playoffs. Right. I will say the F word on the pod. Yes. Never sworn on the pod in my life. It will happen if the Rams make the playoffs, which both of us don't think will happen. 
but it could. Adam Blackall says, Ahmed, I think your bet should be a little more interesting, though, than just dropping an F-bomb. If the Rams Agreed. make the playoffs, you should have to address the big effort by his full and uncensored title live on the pod, preferably to his face via Zoom, is acceptable. Oh, I do like that. You like that? That's good. Maybe like, yes, maybe that's what we'd make you do. If they don't make the, or if they, if they don't do, make the playoffs. If they do make the playoffs. The Rams, oh, they if they do. do make the playoffs. If they do make the playoffs. And then we dad have dad on towards the, or, you know, in the playoffs at some point, yeah. you, every time you address him, you have to call him big fucker. Hey, big fucker. I got a question. Hey, big fucker. I got a question. I love that. You're just doing it on the pod here. You would gladly do it to his face as you did last week. Yep. Yep. He knows everybody does it to his face. Now he's, he's, he is, he says all the time. He's got people, even a CBS that call him big fucker. Cause it's just, they've heard it on the podcast and whatever. When else. did you start calling him that? It was, it, it came from the movie. The Green Mile. Okay. Right? Do you remember The Green Mile? I do remember that movie. Right? Yeah. That's where it was. And there's the big guard in the movie who messes. I can't remember all these actors' names. Who messes with the jerk inmate who's always trying to kill the mouse and whatever else. Yeah. And he kind of, like, manhandles the inmate. And as the inmate looks back, he's like, get off me, you big fucker. Yeah. Like, and, and that's kind of where it came from. <laughs> right. And then ever since then, ever since he's uh, he's been that guy. All right. So if the Rams make the playoffs, yep. that'll be bad for my Lions because that means the draft pick is lower. So right. that'll be sad. I think you're going to be good. Don't worry. Call the big effort, the big effort to his face. OK, I love on it. the pod. I love it. That'll be so awkward when you have to address him like that every time. It's yeah, going it to be great. It'll be weird. Yeah. All right, that's it. We did right, it. Wow, we did it. It actually was great time. Hour and 36 minutes, I believe. Is that what you feel like I it is? I feel like right. Right, around that, right around that range. Right, good job. But all right, tomorrow I'll be back without Ahmed. Yeah, I'll be It'll gone. be with Florio. Yeah. We'll be doing our PFT, uh, Chris Sims Unbutton collaboration, the Picks Pod. I was 2-1 and one in best bets last year, last week. That feels mm-hmm. good. I feel good saying that. All right. Uh, but, you know, again, tune in. Listen. Listen to our info. And even the games I'm wrong about, I'm not that wrong. I say a lot of good things about it. It's worth the listen. All right. So everybody subscribe, rate, review, be good. Enjoy the weekend of football. Ahmed, you the man. You look so cute in your blue pants. Thank Thanks you. for wearing those today. Thank you. I like All right, pants. everybody be good. Have a great week. 10 clap it clap up. It up.